What if the way you've been telling your life story reveals the secret to what is holding you back? Stories play an integral part in how we see not only ourselves, but the whole world. Stories are more than just an important part of communication. They also reveal hidden aspects of our inner talk, which can either support us or end up holding us back from the very things we want most in life without us even realizing it. Join author, mindset coach, and award-winning singer-songwriter Carrie Rowan on her show, Look for the Good, every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. when she shares nuggets of wisdom from her internationally best-selling book, Tell a New Story, Five Simple Steps to Release Your Negative Stories and Bring Joy to Your Life. Carrie's powerful stories and compelling guests will empower you to change how you look at your own life while giving you some powerful tools and tips you can use every day to help you feel better and move yourself closer to the life you've been longing to live. Hello and welcome to Look for the Good. I'm your host, Carrie Rowan, mindset strategist and life coach. And I love sharing nuggets of wisdom about stories that we tell each other and more importantly, that we tell ourselves. Join me and my special guests as we share our personal stories of strength and triumph every week on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Listen online on your mobile device, in your car, or ask Alexa to play Dream Vision 7 Radio. Tune in every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. to get real stories and tips on how to turn your story around and turn your life around. Welcome, everybody. And I'm so excited to be here today. And before I introduce my special guest to you, I want to tell you a little bit. We're going to talk about believing in yourself, right? And I think that's so important, especially in this day and age. The one thing we can count on is ourself, right? And how do you, how do you nurture that? How do you believe in yourself when life knocks you down? And what do you say to yourself in those moments? How do you come back stronger than you were before you got knocked down? And I love talking about those stories and. Uh, it's with great pleasure that I introduce you to Monica Thomas Bonick. She's the Vice President of Commercial Lending at Webster Five Cent Savings Bank and the Executive Director of Webster Five Foundation. Welcome, Monica, to the show. Thank you. So happy to have you here. And as you and I spoke, um, you have so many wonderful stories to share with people, and I really think they're going to love them. And if you can just give us some insights and just share your real stories about how you turned around your belief. And one of the things that really stuck in my mind after our first conversation was how you told me as a young girl, you were taught to believe that you could do anything, right? And I love that because I was very much brought up the same way. And I noticed as I went on in life, not everybody thinks that way, right? So share with us how that kind of framed your life for you and and um, found you where you are today. Sure, Carrie. Um, I was raised by a mother who was, I would say, kind of non-traditional when you look at the framework of the times in which I um, grew up in the, I guess, late 60s. Um, and my mom instilled in me a value that I could be and do anything I wanted in this world, that basically the only limitation was that which I put on myself. And um, she gave me tools to be able to sort of develop skills toward whatever it was I wanted to achieve. If I wanted to be a great outdoorsman, like in Girl Scouts, I knew Mm -hmm. I had to develop fire building skills and how to survive outside. And so um, climb mountains, you had to learn how to do mountaineering. And so there was nothing that I was not willing to try if it was uh, of interest to me. Because I knew that if I failed or disliked it, that from that experience, there would be learning. So it gave me freedom to pursue things that were of interest to me. I love that. And it's helped me in my entire life because I am in a non-traditional, what is really a non-traditional role in my career in that commercial lending is typically male dominated. There's very few women and there's fewer women of color in this field. So um, it's just bode well for me. 
I love that. I love that your mom was so progressive, right? Like back then in that day and age, she was ahead of her time, right? Um, And I love that because it really sets the foundation. And I feel like my mom was very much the same. And I was also really influenced by my dad telling me that I could do anything that I wanted to do as well. And um, very much like you, found myself in very male-dominated industries right out of college as a young girl. And I realized that I had some beliefs in my head, and I'm sure you did too, and that was one of them. You believed that you could do it because your mom said you could. She gave you the tools as well as my parents. Um, you know, But then you get there and you're surrounded by people who either say you can't do it or think you can't do it. And how do you deal with that, right? Like the, I struggle sometimes to share that with my girls, you know, like how do you deal with that? What, what do you do when that happens? What do you say to yourself? I start out by having a conversation with myself that says, you know that you have the qualifications to do this job. You know that you have the skill set to perform everything that they're asking you to do and that it's their issues about you being in this particular role. And so I put it off to their lack of understanding and their desire to keep things status quo because difference makes people, some people uncomfortable And so I make the assumption that they are coming from that place. Mm -hmm. And I do what I do because I know that I work harder. I know I can run circles around some of them. And um, I just continue to move forward knowing that it's really not a performance issue or skill set issue, that it's their personal bias or whatever there ism is surrounding mm-hmm. there isn't in that role. Yeah, that's really that's really powerful because you've separated it um and made it more, you know, kind of sort of handed it back to who it belongs to as opposed to taking it in personally, which I think is hard for younger people to understand that as they're growing up. And so having that framework where you understand differences make people uncomfortable, right? So um, we've learned how to deal with that, right, as women. And I had this little tiny belief in my head, um, probably because I grew up really close with my brother and did everything boys did. And for some reason, I told myself, girls can do anything boys can do. And that was my little mantra, right? Yep. (laughs) Those little mantras can play out really strong. And I must, I don't, I was under seven when I probably created that mantra in my head. You know, so I was right. always like uh, trying to show, you know, climb a tree faster or crash a bike harder or whatever the boys were doing. I was going to try to do the same thing. And that so, served me, right? Yeah, that's so true. When you said that, it, it brought to mind my, my mom, my great grandmother told my mother when she was a young girl that women can do everything men can do. And it. my mom remembered that and she said that to me. And so... When people tell you things like that, I think it helps you build self-esteem and you look through a lens that's a little bit different, I think, than maybe others do because you put no limitations on yourself. Yeah, I love that because we really are unlimited. We're only limited by, right, what goes on. Really, really. Right. And it's so true. It's like we're capable. We can do anything we put our mind to. Um, and but the mind, I think, is the thing that gets in the way. What we tell ourselves, you know, it would have been very easily to take those stories personally. You know, people telling me I couldn't do it or you as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so but you didn't. You stuck to what and I love love that it's generational that your grandma told your mom who told you. And that's how we pass it down. That's how it becomes generational in the right direction, right? We said that positive. And I love that. I love that. And um, yeah, and as a leader in the community, I mean, I think you have a lot of power to influence and you use that in such a powerful way um, to influence the younger generations underneath you. And how do you feel that plays out, you know, either at home or in the community or in your work environment where people see you as as this fantastic leader that you are? I think that it has 
been a great opportunity for me. You know, I, I really believe, you know, the old saying to, and I hope I don't mess it up, to <laughs> those who are given much that there's something that you have to do in return. That's sort of my paraphrase. And so I recognize that I've been given great opportunities in my life, personally and in my career. And so I feel as though I need to play it forward because there were women who I worked for in banking who gave me opportunity that I recognize maybe some men might not have given to me. And so it's really important for me in my career, in the boards I sit on, in my church, in people that I interact with, to try to give some of that back and to always be honest. Whatever it is, I always try to be honest about it from my perspective. And it's not always an easy place to be because it requires risk. And so when you are willing to say, you know what, we need to step back. Our industry really has not been fair to everybody. And so what are we going to do? And we have to be careful when we're making decisions that that culture does not influence the decisions that we make about who should have access to capital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You know, and so it's why I focus on the groups that I focus. I focus on nonprofits, uh, business owners of color, women owned businesses, those who are LGBTQ business owners, because I feel like oftentimes when you're in a, underserved or underrepresented population, you might not receive the same education or access that others do. And so I try to even the playing field by working with those groups of people in my career. And then when I sit on boards, I really try to say, one, do you understand what your role is? Like, this is more than just us coming together, sitting in chairs, having discussions on a monthly basis, That, but that we really do have some responsibility to the missions of these organizations, because I currently sit on only nonprofit boards, and that we have to look at the compositions of the board members and ensure that our board and that our staff represents the constituents that we serve so that we can make educated decisions. And that's not always an easy place to be because oftentimes people get on boards and they're there to add flavor to their resume Mm-hmm. but not necessarily committed to moving the work forward or being the fiscal agents that they're called to be to mm. try to raise funds and do things to ensure that the nonprofit is a going concern. So I guess I say all that to say that my role, I think, is to just to be authentic in who I present to the world and then to be honest when asked questions or put in positions of leadership because you can lead from the chair. You don't have to have the title that leadership comes in all forms. Right. And so um, I just, you know, take it seriously and I use opportunities to mentor people who work with me to kind of ensure that they understand all of the picture and not necessarily just what is in front of them. I love that. It's powerful. And because you're in that leadership position, 
just like we were talking about, you found a way to have that really make an effect on a deeper level for things that you feel personally about, but things that are that we're all aware of right now in this world and then this equality that we're all trying to achieve on many levels. And I love that you're trying to make the boards reflect those very people that you serve because that makes the that makes it very holistic all around and everybody feels represented. Um yeah, I think that's super powerful. And I should have mentioned at the top of this that you were the 2022 Outstanding Women in Business. You won that award with a Worcester Worcester Business Journal, and that's quite an achievement. Um, And I think it says a lot about what people are recognizing that you are doing in the community and how you are bringing communities closer together and serving nonprofits. Um, And that's super powerful. And we're going to break for a quick minute, but we're going to be back. And when we come back, I love the story that you tell about one of your favorite nonprofit projects that you helped invest in. So stay tuned, everybody. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Did you know 73% of employees are considering leaving their jobs and almost half of Americans fear being laid off in the next year? That's a lot of fear and anxiety mulling around the office. In today's environment, employees need easy-to-use tools and strategies they can count on when the atmosphere is making them feel less than productive. To find out about proven ways to help your employees turn their stress into success, go to carryrowan.com and sign up for a free wellness consultation for your company today. Are you a hardworking business owner or nonprofit? Do you want a bank with a neighborhood feel that you can truly trust? At Webster Five, our mission is to support local organizations and the people who are building stronger communities every day. Webster Five has a true understanding of the issues facing businesses and nonprofits. From day-to-day processes to long-term funding, our business banking team offers expert guidance and a unique set of tailored solutions. Visit web5.com to find out more. Webster Five, member FDIC, member DIF. Ever notice how your brain automatically focuses on what's wrong in your life? Ever wonder why you find yourself telling the same old story about yourself over and over again? Tune into this high-energy show with author and mindset coach Carrie Rowan to find out how to retrain your brain to look for the good every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Carrie uses powerful storytelling, easy-to-use tools, and inspiring guests to exemplify how a simple shift in perspective can bring miraculous results. Join Carrie on a journey into your own transformation that will leave you feeling inspired, empowered, and ready to find the good every day of your life. Are you tired of feeling stressed and stuck? Did you know that the stories we repeatedly tell can be the very thing that makes us feel worse about our life? In her best-selling book, Tell a New Story, host and author Carrie Rowan shares the five simple steps to release your negative stories and bring joy to your life. This is not your average self-help book. It's a joy to read and it's interactive with QR codes for meditations, original songs, and how-to videos at just the perfect point in the story, which makes transformation easy and at your fingertips. So if you're ready to go from humming a sad song about your situation to finding your voice and whistling a new upbeat tune as you skip along with joy as the new soundtrack of your life, then get yourself a copy of Carrie's highly acclaimed book today. Go to carryrowan.com slash book to get your copy now. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N. Hey, beautiful listeners. Are you tired of the fast-paced life and want an easy way to help you find your calm? Then head over to the new Look for the Good Marketplace. It's chock full of hand-selected books, great classes, calming music, and special readings. All you need to help you move closer to a life you're tickled pink about. Just visit CarrieRowan.com and click on the Marketplace tab to find just the right item to soothe your soul today. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N.com. Welcome back. We're here with Monica Thomas Bonick, and we are talking about some really cool stuff here today. We're talking about she works for Webster Five, and she's the executive director and treasurer for the Webster Five Foundation. And I just fell in love with the work that they do. And Monica, tell us what one of your favorite projects was um, that you gave some grants to for some nonprofits in the area. Thanks. There's two, Carrie, that come to mind. And one was a grant that we gave to the Webster Water Ski Collective. 
And it is a group out of Webster that does water ski, you know, competitions and things like that. But they decided that they wanted to give access to water skiing to those who have some physical challenges. So we were able to give them a grant to purchase an adaptive ski. And so they have now begun an adaptive ski program in Massachusetts. They're one of four organizations in New England that run adaptive ski events. And um, it's just been a great experience. We did the water ski one year. And then the following year, we gave them a grant to buy a trailer. I think it was a trailer to carry the adaptive ski equipment around to different parts of the county so that adults and children get to have that experience. I love that. I love that. That is such a cool thing. And again, with the access, you're allowing more people with access to these types of things and allowing people with disabilities to be able to experience the joy of that is truly, truly powerful. That's a really cool one. You had yeah. mentioned, you'd mentioned another one to me that was really fascinating. Um, the gentleman who helps homeless people. Um, I don't remember their name, but I'm sure you do. Yeah, it's, it's a ministry. It's called Provision Ministries and it's out of Westboro. And it was started approximately, I would say, four years ago. And um, he has a mobile van. And in this mobile van, he has food. He has toiletries. He has bomba socks and clothing that he gives out. And he um, goes to various places throughout New England and drives up and gives people clothing, food, and toiletries. And then he engages local businesses within the greater Worcester area to do these backpacks. And you can adopt backpacks, I guess, and they put your logo on them and your staff stuffs them with toiletries and various items, snacks and things. And then he puts them on the van and they give these out, hand them out to the people um, on in the street and then in homeless, you know, like encampments. So um, it's just been a great experience to see his program, you know, go from this small startup to this huge organization now where I believe last year he gave out about $2 million worth of food and clothing to homeless people. Wow. Two million. He he does great work. He sure does. And I, that is, I think the epitome of what this show is about, which is to look for the good, right? You take a situation that seems dire and desperate, which is to be homeless. And you, you've, he's looked for the good in that. He's stepped out. And, and this is the good that I believe that all people have, right? Is to step out and do something beyond his, himself that helps the community at large, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is. And he did this like during COVID, like he didn't miss a beat. He just started providing PPEs and toys and other essential items. He added school supplies, you know, he just made sure that the people in our community had what they needed to live life, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I really and I appreciate what he does. I, I love what he does. And I love what you do because you made that possible, right? They come to you, these nonprofits through your, um, you know, through Webster five foundation and you guys are there for them. You can see the bigger picture of the community and the effect that this can have. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. It's our pleasure. We really enjoy giving back, um, to our community And um, I'm just grateful that they've given me the opportunity to be a part of that and to be in a leadership role in that foundation. So that's a beautiful thing, Monica, beautiful thing. And that must feel so good, right? Like we all have our jobs. We all have what we do in life. But to to make a contribution is really our highest level of fulfillment as a human being. Would you agree with that? I agree with that wholeheartedly. It surely is. 
And I think when a lot of people are looking for what they're missing in their life, you know, I see in coaching a lot of people and executives, you know, it, it appears on the outside that they have everything. They might have the money, the cars, the house, the family, but they still have that longing, that missing piece inside of them, that that emptiness that somehow it's not complete unless you feel like you're contributing to something larger than yourself, right? Agreed. Definitely so. And you're able to do that through this foundation. And that's why I was just so attracted to the work that you do. And I knew that everybody would love hearing about some of the stuff that you guys are are investing in to make our communities. And let's face it, we've seen Worcester make a huge turnaround in the last decade. It's remarkable from the Worcester that I knew years ago. Okay. Yes, it it has. You know, I've just been here a short period of time. I think I've been here a little bit over five years now. And um, the Worcester I knew of prior to my coming back to Massachusetts, this is definitely not the same place. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so it's it's nice to be a part of what is happening here, both through the foundation as well as being part of a bank that's making investment in, you know, real estate projects and nonprofits and regular C&I businesses to keep our economy strong and to help it flourish. So, yeah, I keep Worcester growing because it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, I, I love to see that growth. It's really, really amazing. And, you know, you, you, you spark something when you said earlier to me, you were telling me about how, you know, when your mom was telling you and your grandmother were talking about when you're given gifts, because I had this little thing that my dad used to say to me all the time. And he would say, you know, when, when God gives you gifts, um, it's your responsibility to do something with them, right? You're given these things, whether it's a artistic gift or, you know, the gift of being able to do what you do and take all your skills and combine them to, to work for good. What do you what do you think about that? And what would you say to the younger generation about that statement? I would say that do what makes you happy. Find your passion and do that. You know, my generation, oftentimes what we're, we were passionate about was not what we did every day. And so we did a vocation, I think based on what we thought, because we wanted houses and things, right? So we chose a career that would give us the economic level we needed to pursue that. And oftentimes, it was not what was our passion. And so, you know, life is really short. And I think that you get you wake up every morning and you want to go do something do what gives you joy and it will never ever be a job it will just be an extension of who you are i love that that is something i wholeheartedly believe in monica it's a beautiful thing right and you are happy and you in if you're doing something that makes you happy the compensation is not the most important thing. And it's amazing how you can live with less because more, in my opinion, basically you have to get more because now you have more things you have to maintain, more things you want. And it's this vicious cycle, right? Mm -hmm. So I think when you follow your passion, the monetary piece is not the focus. And it's amazing how you can do with less. Mm, because you're so filled up, right? You you feel so full and satisfied in a way that you have longed for. We have all longed for that. You know, we ask those questions when we're younger. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Do I have meaning? You know, and so by following your passion, you know, and when I, a lot of times, if I find that I'm working with somebody who feels really stuck in their life, I always ask them to go back and think about what they did naturally as a kid. Yep. You know, because I think that's where our passions are developed. They're just, we're uninhibited and we just naturally do them without, it doesn't get, you know, wrung out of us by society. Exactly. And, and I think that is, I, I'm hopeful that this younger generation, they seem to be less motivated by things 
and more concerned about um what is truly behind corporations like you know are they socially responsible how do they treat their employees those kind of things right are important to them and they use that information to determine what products and services they go after right so i'm hopeful that if they're approaching life through that lens currently that they will end up pursuing that which makes them happy and what their passion is and not wait till they're like 40 years old and say, Ooh, I've been doing this for four years and I hate it. And then you stop and start doing what it is you were really meant to do. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I agree. It's a, it's a really powerful thing. And I agree with you about this next generation coming up. They do have that social sense. Um, you know, I mean, each generation comes with something unique that they bring, but I totally agree with you. And I think that is very hopeful that they, because when you're following your passion and you're putting that kind of energy out into the world, that's what raises the whole vibration of everybody around us, right? Exactly. Versus, <laughs> yeah, right? We're I mean, all interconnected as much as we sometimes don't want to believe we are. <laughs> I believe that we, we really are, you know? Absolutely, we are. And when we can share that, it's palpable. You know, when somebody walks into your office, I'm sure they can feel that they can feel that you love what you do, you care about what you do, you know, you're making a contribution. It's very different than somebody who just wakes up and drags themselves to the office every day. And, and that's no way to go through life. And I think that's what this whole pandemic has brought to the awareness and to the forefront, right? The great resignation is that yep. people are had enough time to have that pause and say, wait a second, I'm sick of getting in my car and driving to Boston every day. You know, yep. <laughs> I want, it's, a, it's a silver lining and all of that. It gave us time to reflect and take a look and say, this is not filling me. And I love being here working from home, you know, spending more time with my family, having dinner every night, all the things that they didn't even know that they were missing out on. Exactly. I, I agree with that. Oh. So, yeah, so it's a powerful thing. So stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a quick little break from our and hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back with Monica. Hey, beautiful listeners. Are you tired of the fast-paced life and want an easy way to help you find your calm? Then head over to the new Look for the Good Marketplace. It's chock full of hand-selected books, great classes, calming music, and special readings. All you need to help you move closer to a life you're tickled pink about. Just visit CarrieRowan.com and click on the Marketplace tab to find just the right item to soothe your soul today. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N.com. Are you a hardworking business owner or nonprofit? Do you want a bank with a neighborhood feel that you can truly trust? At Webster 5, our mission is to support local organizations and the people who are building stronger communities every day. Webster 5 has a true understanding of the issues facing businesses and nonprofits. From day-to-day -day processes to long-term funding, our business banking team offers expert guidance and a unique set of tailored solutions. Visit Webster com to find out more. Webster 5, member FDIC, member DIF. Are you tired of feeling stressed and stuck? Did you know that the stories we repeatedly tell can be the very thing that makes us feel worse about our life? In her best-selling book, Tell a New Story, host and author Carrie Rowan shares the five simple steps to release your negative stories and bring joy to your life. This is not your average self-help book. It's a joy to read and it's interactive with QR codes for meditations, original songs, and how-to videos at just the perfect point in the story, which makes transformation easy and at your fingertips. So if you're ready to go from humming a sad song about your situation to finding your voice and whistling a new upbeat tune as you skip along with joy as the new soundtrack of your life, then get yourself a copy of Carrie's highly acclaimed book today. Go to CarrieRowan.com slash book to get your copy now. That's C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N. Are you ready to consistently be in the flow of success? Build an abundant business, easily find your right clients, and feel good inviting them into your community to do business with you? 
If your answer is yes, then you'll want to listen to Business Success with Human Design with Nancy O'Keefe on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Thursday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Business Success with Human Design is a podcast designed to help you peel back the layers of who you have been taught to be and how you've been told to do business, moving you from overwhelm to a business model that aligns with your authentic self and feels right for you. Come and explore Human Design for Business with Nancy. Did you know 73% of employees are considering leaving their jobs and almost half of Americans fear being laid off in the next year? That's a lot of fear and anxiety mulling around the office. In today's environment, employees need easy-to-use tools and strategies they can count on when the atmosphere is making them feel less than productive. To find out about proven ways to help your employees turn their stress into success, go to carryrowan.com and sign up for a free wellness consultation for your company today. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Hello, and welcome back. I'm here with Monica. We are talking about some fantastic stuff. We left off talking about the younger generation. And what does it really take? And I thought it would be cool to kind of talk a little bit about this concept of resiliency. Um because persistence and resiliency, as we know, Monica, are things that we had to have deep inside to get where we are today because there were so many things against us. Um, and you fought a lot of ballots just to get where you were in, in a world that's dominated, um, you know, by people that look different than, than you and I. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about this next generation, I, I worry sometimes about their resiliency and, and their ability to make it through hard times. Um, I wonder what you think about that. I would have to agree with you, Carrie. You know, it's one of those things that I think about often, you know, as we have a intergenerational workforce now. And so I wonder how we have got to this place where that where the younger generation may not have the resiliency and persistence that we had when we were their age. And I wonder sometimes if becoming a participatory society where everybody's a winner and nobody's a loser kind of contributed to that. Because when when I grew up, I, paid, I played competitive sports, right? There was going to be a winning team and a losing team, right? So if we were on the losing end that, that particular game, we knew we had to come back to practice that next day and work harder, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we wanted to be the victor. And so we worked toward that goal. But then when we went to participatory sports, for example, um, I helped raise my nephew and he played competitive sports and they lost a game. He was like three years ago. They lost their basketball game. And he said, well, Tia, the coach said we won. And I said, no, Jason, you lost. And I remember he cried. It was very vivid for me. He started crying. He said, we won, Tia. And I said, let's sit down and have a conversation. What's the scoreboard say? And I think it was like 12 to 9 or something. And he said, 9? They got 12? I said, nine's less than 12. That means you lost. And I said, I'm trying to teach you a lesson because it's really unfair for me to agree with the coach because you lost because you have the lowest score. So what that means is tomorrow at practice, we've got to have you work harder on your defense and your offense so that next Saturday, maybe the score is 15 to nine in your favor. Because I don't want you to believe that you're always going to win because there's always going to be somebody who works as hard as you do And you might lose, but that's okay. There might be somebody who's smarter than you are. 
more handsome than you are. But that doesn't mean that you're less than or that you're missing something. All it means is that in life, there's always going to be somebody who's better at something than you are. And so I need you to learn that you can bounce back from losses, right, and overcome. And that if you set your mind to something and have a a plan in place where you are persistent in the achievement of something that you will eventually come out victorious. And so I think that maybe where this playing field where everybody's even just because they played on the team and then where children aren't allowed to make decisions, even to the point where you can't decide who you play with, your parents make your play dates for you, right? Mm-hmm. has contributed to some of this because we've taken critical thinking out of the schools. I dare say there's some kids that if you gave them a hypothesis, they wouldn't know how to go through and prove their conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, technology is great in some regards, but it's taken away our ability to communicate with one another. We've lost our social skills. And I think a lot of that plays into their inability to be resilient in life. And so I'm not sure how we move that pendulum, but I think we have to come up with ways to do so. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Like you had said, everything's been watered down in their world, you know, and the ability to even understand that there is a winner and a loser. And that's just how it goes, especially sports is just a great analogy for life in general. Um, And where do you, where do you get those reserves from? You know, like, like we're, I don't know. And it's concerning when you look at the level of anxiety in Mm -hmm. our young people, when you look at the increases in suicide and, you know, and it's starting with young kids 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, like, we've got to do something. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said connection, right? Because they think they're connecting, right? You know, that they think they're connecting on their phones, but that real human connection is what's missing. And I think that's why they feel void. You know, like we were talking about earlier, you being able to follow your passion and and have a job where you can actually offer, a, a, make a contribution. You're part of something larger. And I think that that's part of what they're missing. The feeling like they belong to something larger because they belong to the world now with this, right? right? We used to belong to our community. I used to belong to my neighborhood when they'd come knocking on the door. Can Carrie come out and play, right? We belonged there. We belonged in that group. But we also belonged in our group at school, you know, and and there were many places where we could find ourselves to fit in. But when you're looking at this glamorous stuff all the time on social media, right. as we know, that is not the real world. And it's fake. Yep. And we need to come up with a way where people get back to understanding what truth is. And adults, I mean, if adults can be taken in by fake news, Mm -hmm. how do we expect our children and young adults to be able to differentiate between what is real and what is not? And you're bombarded with all of those things on social media and the algorithms to get you addicted to it right um i'm not sure how you go about knowing what is truth and what is not how do you have discernment Mm -hmm. about those things Mm -hmm. and you know i think it goes back to you you really made a great point when everything in this world is external right We're, we're very externally focused we have our phones we have our houses we have this and that um, it's an outer game and everybody's fighting for our attention, right? They're, they're writing these algorithms to keep us on here longer and keep us locked in. We're fighting against all this, you know, but the real answers lie right here. We know the truth. That's where it is. It's not an outer job. I think that's where these kids are missing it because they're, they've been 
taught because they grew up with that thing in their hand to look for happiness outside of themselves. It's great for, you know, commercializing and advertising and things like that. But the real work, it's an inner job, as you and I know. It was those inner things we told ourselves. It was us absorbing everything that the wise people around us had to say exactly. and taking it, right? Taking it inside and making it our own. Exactly. Yes. And we've got to somehow get back to that. And, you know, I think that we could all benefit from disconnecting from social media, making a commitment to disconnect from that maybe once a week that I'm not going to be on this. I'm just not going to do it. And I'm going to spend time with people who are important with to me and just as you uh, commented about having connection with people and beginning to see people, I think, as human beings, as as part of the human race, right? And just loving people. And if we would just do that, some of this craziness in this world would self-correct. I think it's really that easy, but to love is hard. <laughs> we could do a whole nother show on that one, Monica. <laughs> yeah. Love is really hard. To love <laughs> is hard. Yeah, it's true. To love unconditionally the way that real love is because we were brought right. up to love conditionally and everything is conditional in this day right. and age, right? I'll give you right. this if you give me this. Right. And if you um, disagree with me, then we can't be friends. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, what happened to you and I could be friends but we could disagree, but we could still have relationship with one another, right? And you might actually say something to me that if I listened and then thought about it, it might change my point of view about something, right? Yeah. We don't do that anymore. If we disagree, you're out of my life. We right. speak to each other and try to get you to believe what I what I say is right and you're wrong. And there's not any... Uh, what do you call it? There's no compromise or mm. meeting in the middle. Middle, to right? Gain understanding. People right. don't want to gain understanding. It's very true because they're locked in to their own little headset of what they the you know what they're playing over and over in their mind, mm. and it comes back down to connection. You know those two things you said. You said two interesting things. You said to disconnect and you said to connect, disconnect from this so that we can connect with other people. Because I, like you're saying, I feel like we've lost that human touch. You know, we've lost that connection, the ability for them to sit across the table. If you go out anywhere and you see a bunch of young kids sitting at a table, they're not talking. They're all on the phone. And they might be talking to each other, but they're texting. Exactly. It's, it reminds me of what, you're sitting right there, put the phone down and open your mouth. But I don't think they know how to carry a conversation. I absolutely agree. And I think this is what you're seeing spilling over into the workplace. They don't have the communication skills because they didn't grow up with it. We wanted to connect with a friend. We had to call them and know how to talk. You right. know, if somebody's having a, a, a controversial issue or conflict, I'll be like, well, just pick up the phone and call them. I can't do that, mom. Like, you know, it's just not in their repertoire, right? Right. You just text it out. <laughs> you text it out. As we know, so much gets lost in the text, right? right. It's just not a good way to communicate. So, Which is part of the problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> communication because you don't get the same information that you get in a conversation, either on the phone or face-to-face, that you get in a text. So true. And the miscommunication that happens, the trying to read between the lines, all that stuff. And so I think we just need to get back to ourselves, get back to that connection. And I love what you said is to just love each other and appreciate that. I love the differences. I like the differences people bring, because like you said, it makes me stop and think and be curious. If you can just adopt that mindset of curiosity. Wow. I wonder what it was like for Monica to go through that. And I wonder all these cool experiences brought her to where she is today. I, I'd love to know more. You know, it's a it's a curiosity mindset. And I think if these kids could adopt that instead of thinking that they know the answers. Right. Because nobody Just really knows the answers. Just listen. Be quiet long enough to listen. Yeah, that is great advice. Please. <laughs> 
you know, because you make assumptions. And then I guess the only other thing that I would say to them regarding uh, resilience and persistence is there's this analogy someone shared with me, and I believe I shared it with you when we first spoke, was that I look at life like a keychain. And there's been experience in my life, good ones and bad ones. And they each get assigned the key, right? And I carry that keychain with me until I leave this earth. But everything on that keychain has contributed to me becoming the person that I am today and will be in the future. And so I think when you interact with people, you have to understand that people have different keys on that keychain. And those have unlocked different doors in their lives, right? To get them Mm. to where they are today when you interact with them. And that some of those were bad experiences, bad doors they opened up. And some people may have been able to work through those and come out healthy. Some people might not have ever dealt with them. They just locked the door back. And that you're interacting with them today And that little thing has reared its ugly head. But at the end of the day, it's probably not about us, me or you. It's about some experience on that chain. Mm. And that if we could stop long enough to get ourselves out of the way and stop thinking we're so important, right? And look at people openly with experiences and try to understand and communicate with them and ask questions, we might understand that the anger they bring to the office or that pout on the face really has nothing to do about work at all or about me passing them in the hallway. It has to do with something that happened in some door that was open that never got resolved. And maybe your purpose for interacting with them is to maybe give them some insight just a little, because you might have a matching key on yours, mm. but you don't know that unless you stop long enough to really interact with the individual. And it changes your life and their life. So, you know, just remember, we all have keychains and the keys open various doors and some of those are good and some of those are bad, but those define who we each are. I love that. And having understanding that you might have a the same key on your keychain and be able to offer insight to somebody else who wasn't able to close that door and resolve that. That is just such a powerful analogy. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Monica. It's been a pleasure. I know the listeners are soaking up all this amazing gems of wisdom that you're sharing with us. So thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Karen. Absolutely. And remember, everybody, thank you for listening to Look for the Good here at Dream Vision 7 Radio. And remember, it's never too late to live your best story. Be well. Thanks for tuning in to Look for the Good with your host, Carrie Rowan, best-selling author and mindset coach. Join us every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. right here at Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. If you weren't able to catch an episode, no worries. Just visit our website to find all the archived episodes of Look for the Good on Demand so you don't miss a thing. And remember, it's never too late to live your best story. For additional resources or to find out about how you can work with Carrie directly, visit CarrieRowan.com for more details. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.